fun. Uh, I really like Elf a lot. What can I say? It's delightful. Uh, there's a lot of Christmas movies I, I like quite a bit, but I'm just not a fan of the Christmas story. The one with, yeah, yeah, I see some of you yeah, get up and leave now. All right, I've, I've drawn a line in the sand, and I'm okay with that one. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I mean, you already understand how, how roughshod my humor is these days, trying to figure out a joke. So perhaps it's me. We'll go ahead and grant it it could be me, but I'm not a fan. However, the Christmas story is about a long-suffering child who has to wait and wait and wait to get what he wants. A Daisy Red Rider BB gun, right? He wants his BB gun. And, uh, and he has to wait for it and wait for it and wait for it and eventually gets it. But it's not what he thought it would be. Well, today in our story, what we're looking at from Scripture is two people who waited much longer time, but they got exactly what they wanted. And I tell you today, the good news is anybody who waits on the Lord like these people did will receive exactly what they hope for in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together and let's read about Simeon and Anna. Father God, I thank you so much that you're so good to us. I pray that as we read your word and as we hear your word, I pray that you would teach us about you so that we can know you, so that we can believe, so that we can obey this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. Well, his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord today. It's a fascinating story. You know it if you're a member here because I love it. And so at least every other year, I make sure it comes in in our Christmas uh, sermons. This happens just after the birth of Jesus, clearly. Jesus is uh, being presented in the temple. 
And so, uh, that it is after the birth, it often gets left out or neglected. When, when should you preach this? If you're preaching all Christmas sermons before and up until the birth of Jesus, then where's this one come in? The first week of January? Uh, but I love this so much because these people, these godly people who, who hoped, who trusted Christ their entire lives, they received the fulfillment of their hope. They got to see their Messiah coming. Notice first in this passage the importance of the Holy Spirit. And it's a little surprising. You know, you and I, as you read the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is all over the place. Paul introduces and concludes so many of his letters with, and grace and peace to you in the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ. We who believe now, when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. As a Christian, you live in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it may be unfamiliar to us how surprising it is that these people, especially Simeon here, is guided regularly by the Holy Spirit. This is an unusual thing. When you read the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes down on this prophet for a little while, or on that prophet for a little while, or on this king for a little while, or that king. The Holy Spirit comes down on certain people to empower them to know God's will for His people and to lead God's people in His will. But even in Joel, we're promised that there's a day coming when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people, and that comes with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But here we have, as Jesus arrives to be presented in the temple, we hear there's this man named Simeon who is righteous and devout And what he was wanting, what he was looking forward to was Israel's consolation, that is comfort. He was looking forward to Israel being comforted. Israel, who had been uh, subdued, enslaved, uh, who hadn't been their own country in so long, he was looking for Israel to be consoled and comforted by the coming of God, their Messiah. But the Holy Spirit was on him, is what this passage says. And he was guided by the Holy Spirit. And likewise, he had received this message from God. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Messiah. Simeon lives guided by the Holy Spirit. And you'll also notice about Joseph and Mary here in these first verses. They are absolutely and completely, we need to be clear, fulfilling the law of God about this child. He's born in just a certain way, miraculously, all of this miraculously done, but they do exactly what they're called to by God, whether it is by the angel who appears to Mary and says that you shall name him Jesus, they obey that command, or the Word of God and the law of Moses, they obey those commands by bringing the Christ child to the temple to present them as they are supposed to. This is another thing foreign to us, but the opposite way with the Holy Spirit, whereas the Holy Spirit came down only in specific times on specific people, and now the Holy Spirit is on all believers at all times. Then all uh, of Israel in the Old Testament was to keep to the law of Moses, and now we have something of an uneasy relationship with the law of Moses, not entirely certain how we're supposed to keep it or what parts of it we're supposed to keep. Certain that we're not supposed to keep the dietary laws or clothing laws or calendar laws, or at least we should hope so because we don't uh, keep those major pieces of the Old Testament law, but uncertain how we live with the rest of them. To be clear for us, we are not under the law of Moses any longer. We are under the law of Christ. And so our rule for living is how did Christ live? 
He Himself is our law and our way that we follow in all things. But we're never to think about the law of Moses, the old covenant, as somehow terrible or wasteful or not a purpose and part of God's plan. It was always God's purpose and plan. And so Paul will go through great lengths in the book of Romans to explain how there was great advantage in being a member of Israelites and being Jewish, how there's great advantage in having received the law, but that it was just a steward or a guide that was to lead them to Christ. Next, let's look at Simeon's song, let's say. Lots of these things that I call songs here around the birth of the child uh, aren't specifically called songs in here, but since they are specifically called prophecies and they look like songs, and you can only imagine, I, I would imagine that Simeon is breaking out in song here now. Look at what Simeon says, simply rejoicing with all his heart. Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. It's just beautiful for Simeon, an old man at this point, to say, that's it. That's all I needed. I'm good. There was one item on my bucket list. There was one thing that I wanted to do, and it was see the Lord's anointed one, so you can send me on in peace now, Lord. And he goes on rejoicing. I ask you today, what will it take for you to share the same sentiment? What would it take for you to say, now you can dismiss your servant in peace, Lord? Well, certainly, none of us are looking forward to death, and death is not our friend. Death is the enemy that has been conquered by our Lord. Amen. So our hope is not in a peaceful one. Our hope is to overcome death and see resurrection and eternal life. What would it take for you to have a similar sentiment? To say, that's it. That's all I wanted to see. That's all I needed. You can dismiss your servant in peace. Perhaps for you, it's just Father God, I just want to see my kids believe and trust you. That'd be enough for me. I'd be happy with that. Perhaps you had, I'd just like to see my grandchildren trust you and believe. That's it. That's all I want. Perhaps for you it is, Father, I'd like to lead one more person to Christ. That would be enough. Could I help somebody else trust the Lord today? That would be enough for me. But will it be enough for you that you personally saw the salvation of the Lord in your own life? Is it enough for you to say, Father, I too have seen your salvation. I have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now, no matter what else, although there's a bunch of other things, all these other things which are good to help other people trust the Lord, to see my family trust the Lord, to, to see them uh, successful and well in all these beautiful good things, Perhaps we ought to be able to say like Simeon, I've seen the salvation of the Lord. I've come to know Jesus as Savior, and this will be enough for me. God, you have been so gracious to me in this, in this life unto death and beyond. The next thing we see in this passage is uh, the response of Mary, the father and mother, Mary and Joseph, that they're amazed at all that's being said about him. Simeon blesses them. So here's the blessing that Simeon gives to Mary and Joseph. Simeon blesses them and told the mother Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. 
as far as blessings go, an odd one, at least, right? Here's the blessing for you. Uh, He's going to be a sign that will be opposed. He'll cause the rise and fall of many in Israel. The thoughts of many will be revealed. Oh, and by the way, it's going to hurt. This is going to hurt. A sword will pierce your own soul. The thoughts of many hearts being revealed is, is fairly simple. It's just the idea that when everyone encounters Jesus, it immediately reveals who they are on the inside. Some religious leaders, it seems, were properly devoted to the one true God, and other religious leaders are simply looking to trap Jesus or trick Jesus. They're interested in their power. Confronting Jesus reveals the hearts of every last person who comes to Him. So, I've been looking on Wednesday night with our Wednesday night Bible study group. We've been going through Mark together, and it's real neat when you read through Mark because the word uh, begged shows up over and over again. Everybody comes to Jesus and begs Jesus. Everybody comes to Jesus and begs Jesus, and Jesus goes off into a, uh, a foreign land. He goes off into Gentile territory out of Israel, and there's a Syrophoenician woman who begs Jesus to do some healing. Even before that, uh, there's a religious leader, Jairus, who begs Jesus to come and do some healing. There's a formerly demon-possessed man who begs Jesus to get to follow him. All these people beg Jesus for this, beg Jesus for that. And then right about chapter 8, it says Jesus crosses back into Israel, and the Pharisees tried to argue with Jesus. (laughs) Everybody else, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. The Pharisees are trying to dispute with him and argue with him. In this way, Jesus entering their lives immediately reveals their hearts and causes the rise and fall of many. This is likewise true for all of us. Bring up Jesus in a conversation, and it will help you see where anyone and everyone is. Jesus, whether you want Him to be or not, is a light that reveals and exposes the truth of who we are in all sorts of discussions. And I mean this in good ways as as well as finding out who's not a believer in Christ. Sometimes you're surprised having had a conversation with somebody and then mentioning Christ, and they say, I'm a believer too. (laughs) Really? And you, you get to know each other a little bit. But how about this piece of it, the, uh, the blessing? A sword will pierce your own soul. You know, almost every year, we get, besides you getting to hear this passage about every other year for me in sermon form, almost every year, we get to hear Mary, did you know? Have you already been listening to it? You have, I know. And uh, I remember it was humorous. Uh, Some years ago, you know, there was this joke going around, uh, Mary, did you know? And the answer is, no, obviously she didn't know all these things. And sure enough, here at the beginning of it, it says, uh, you know, the father and mother were amazed about what was being said at him, so she didn't know some of these things. But as far as the song goes, that's why the whole thing works out so well. It's such a good song. is It's a rhetorical question. It's not obviously Mary knew these things, it's the question, but did you know, you know, Mary, did you know that all of this is what was going to happen? Asking rhetorically, it doesn't really assume anything on her behalf. So here you have Mary finding out, hearing, hey, a sword's going to pierce your own soul as well. Let me ask you a question. You remember, we talked about this uh, last Sunday, uh, the posture of Mary versus the posture of Zachariah. When Zachariah hears an angel saying miraculously he and his wife are going to bear a child, Zachariah goes, really? We're kind of old, you know, and doubts this. And when an angel appears to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to be miraculously with child, though you've never been with a man, 
She does ask a question. She says, wait, how? But it's not a doubting question. It's just a logistics. But really, how will this be possible? And then when the angel explains it to her, what does Mary say? I'm your servant. Let it be like you said it was. This beautiful, faithful, believing attitude of Mary, I'm your servant. Let it be like you said it would be. Now hearing this sort of thing, oh, by the way, a sword is going to pierce your own heart. And at the end of all these things, having seen all of this and seeing Christ crucified and resurrected, do you think looking back, I think if you were to ask the rhetorical question at the end of her life, Mary, did you know? Do you think looking back, do you think she would have been okay with this? Do you think she would have had the same attitude had she known everything, exactly how it was going to happen? Would she also have been like, you know what, I'm in still. I'm your servant. I'm here to obey. Let it be like you say it's going to be. I'd say yes for her, this faithful, godly woman who trusts in the Lord. But I wonder for you and I, to become a Christian is to say, you know what? Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life. I believe, and I'm going to obey Him with my life. From now on, I'm not the boss any longer. Jesus will be the boss, the Lord of my life. Jesus will be Lord. For us to become a Christian is to say exactly what Mary said. Let it be. I'm in. Whatever it is you say, whatever it is you have planned, I'm ready to go, and I will follow and obey. But sometimes this becomes difficult for us when we arrive in more difficult seasons in our lives that we weren't expecting. How easy do you think it was for Simeon, or for Anna, for this matter, to say day after day, Lord, I trust your timing? To say day after day, Lord, is today the day? Simeon, who, who knows he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah, to be able to say, is today the day, Lord? If not, I'll still be here as your servant. Anna, at whatever age Anna is, to be able to daily continue to minister there in the temple, awaiting and trusting the Lord's timing. Do you think looking back, they would have been okay with their role? I think the answer is yes. For anyone who has trusted the Lord and held on till the end, the answer is always yes. But there are certainly difficulties to go through, and this prophecy for Mary could be similarly given for all who believe. For someone who comes to trust in the Lord, perhaps we ought to say to them, when you put your trust in Christ, your sins are forgiven. The Holy Spirit is with you. You have a guide in your life that is God, an eternal life to look forward to. God has shown favor on you and loved you and has good plan for your life. But there will be difficult seasons. And not just the normal difficult seasons, because everybody goes through difficult seasons but perhaps particularly difficult seasons by the will and plan of God. Well, what about you? Are you still ready to say Jesus is Lord? To follow Him with your life? Paul certainly was. Paul, who trusted God. You remember when Paul comes to believe? He has this amazing experience in which Jesus appears to him from the sky as he's on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. He's got some arrest warrants in his possession. He's looking to go arrest some Christians. And while he's on the road going, the skies tear open. Jesus appears to him. And Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's struck to the ground. He's struck blind. 
and he finds out that it is Jesus who has appeared to him and has a plan for him, and so Paul is converted, and Jesus will be his Lord. Well, as Paul is recovering from this dramatic experience, the Lord appears to another disciple, Ananias, and says, hey, I need you to go find this guy named Paul over in this certain place with this certain house, and you're going to go and lay hands on him and restore his vision. And Ananias says, wait a second, I've heard of this guy. Are you sure you've picked the right person? And God says to Ananias, what does he say? He says, yes, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. Similar message. Yeah, Paul, he's going to go do great things for the Lord, and a sword will pierce his soul as well. But you know, towards the end of his ministry, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I consider everything to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. In Philippians, he's in prison. He suffered all kinds of things, and he says, it doesn't matter. I know Christ. He says, I've had everything, and I've lost everything, and I don't miss any of it because I know Jesus Christ. And for all of us, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Dear brothers and sisters, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glories that are going to be revealed to us. We are a people of great hope, we Christians. We are a people who live like Simeon and Anna, longing for, hoping for consolation, to be consoled, comforted, looking forward to salvation and the Messiah arriving. And I tell you, just like them, Christ will return right on time and set all things right. Nobody who waits on the Lord today will be put to shame. How about Anna? So, finally, there's a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, a tribe of Asher. She was well along in years. It's very polite, I suppose, of Luke. Uh, well along in years. I don't know how to say that in a more polite way. Luke doesn't give us the exact age, but here's what he says. Having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow for 84 years. So, you start doing some math real quick, right? Uh, it's entirely possible, as some translations will have, you have a different translation, that it just says she was a widow until she was 84, suggesting that she is 84 now, which plays a little bit better for us. But even if she was married at 16 or 18, she'd be, what, 107 or 109, somewhere in there? Surprising, but not unthinkable. Certainly the grace of God. So I think we ought to take this seriously and literally there. I think we ought to look in our own lives and how long we have waited on the Lord and look to Anna for strength and encouragement about waiting on the Lord. It does not matter how long, even if it's an unthinkably long time, anyone who waits on the Lord will not be put to shame. Anna waits on the Lord. She did not leave the temple all these years, serving God day and night with fasting and prayer. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God. God and to speak about Him to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna is a powerful example for all of us. I mean, perhaps in your life, what you're interested in is marrying somebody and not being alone. I mean, the joy of marriage or just not being alone. Anna's a great example for us. Those who wait on the Lord, 
they receive what they're looking for. Perhaps you're dealing with grief of loss of a loved one. Anna's an example for you as well. Perhaps you're dealing with uncertainty in life and not knowing what you will do or not having much. Anna, she simply stays in the temple worshiping the Lord. Having things is not really on her radar. Children, she serves the Lord day and night, and she is able to thank God and speak about Him to all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I think we don't look to Anna enough an example of faithfulness to God and how we can be faithful to the Lord. So, having looked at Simeon, having looked at Anna, having looked at Mary in the midst of this, what shall we do today, we who wait on the Lord's return? How are we to take encouragement from this, and what are we supposed to do? How do you live today given this Bible passage? Well, first of all, let us trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Let us follow the Holy Spirit. Simeon lived by the Spirit. The Spirit guided him. We who believe, we live by the Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is on us for various purposes. He is called this counselor of ours, this wonderful counselor who guides us, certainly. The Holy Spirit will guide you to help you to understand the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will guide you and empower you to obey the Word of God. If you are in Christ you are never alone because we have the Holy Spirit. Though perhaps, perhaps you ought to know, dear believer, that the more we obey Christ, the more we remove old sins from our lives, repent of them, turn away from them, and leave them behind, all the sweeter and more powerful obeying and following the Holy Spirit becomes. Let us trust the leadership of the Holy Spirit, live in the Holy Spirit, and rejoice in the Holy Spirit, just as Simeon did. And let us also wait on the Lord, trusting that the Lord, waiting on the Lord means trusting Him. Nobody likes the word waiting. This is a bad word, right? We were all, even if us, we didn't like waiting before, all the more now, uh, when we got, y'all, we got spoiled for just a minute with two-day shipping. You know, we got really used to things coming really, really quickly, and then suddenly it slowed down, not like forever, just like to back how long it took things to arrive to you in 2000, the year 2000. You know, we haven't gone back into the dark ages. It just slowed down modestly, and yet dust and ashes every day. It's terrifying. Waiting is not a good word for us. But waiting on the Lord is always the right thing to do for us. Waiting on the Lord means trusting Him. It means trusting that God will do exactly what He said He will do exactly when He said He will do it. It means never sacrificing what is right for what is quick. It means for us never sacrificing what is right for what is expedient or what gets us what we want now. Always the counter example to this from Simeon and Anna, the opposite example is King Saul, who is not willing to wait on the prophet Samuel to come and offer sacrifices before this battle is impending. And so Saul, he waits and he waits and he waits, and then he decides to stop waiting. And he takes things into his own hands. 
and this is a great sin before God. Let us not be like Saul. Let us instead be like Simeon and Anna, never sacrificing doing what is right for what is quick. Let us always insist upon doing what is right, even if it means waiting on the Lord's timing. Second, let's not be idle while we wait. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean not doing anything. After all, what is Anna doing this whole time? Is she just sitting quietly, waiting on the Lord her whole life? She had a good recliner, and she sat there, and she waited on the Lord. No. Continually ministering to the Lord, continually doing the sorts of work that she could do at the temple, continually serving God night and day, continually in prayer and fasting. Let us not be idle, not just be sitting around while we wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean not doing anything. By all means, obey everything that He has commanded you to do today while we wait on His hope to arrive. Perhaps for you, this means fighting for church attendance, fighting to be here. You know, some of you I saw this morning, I know it was by great effort that you made it, whether it was coming, overcoming physical health things or family things or all sorts of other things. God bless you by great effort, deciding, you know what? Nothing is going to stop me this morning from worshiping the Lord with the congregation. And this is beautiful and a joy to see. It means this don't be idle while we wait, but still moving forward. It means sharing the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Do we need to point to Anna as an even further example of us in any situation? Even in her hardship, she is looking for people to speak to about redemption of Jerusalem. She is looking and rejoicing to get to speak about how the Messiah has come. Let us not be idle and found unworthy and unworking when Christ returns, but let us share the gospel and the good news of the Lord today. More specifically, don't let this Christmas season go by without having shared with somebody the hope that you have in Christ. Perhaps it is the case in your family that you'll get together with a few people, whether it'll be the whole family or just a part of the family or this piece of the family or even just one person, but when you get together with family members and you're not sure who it is in the family that's supposed to be the one who's uh, reading Scripture a little bit at this Christmas gathering, it's you. Don't, don't wait for somebody else. Let it be you. Let you be the one who says, hey, listen, here's something I read in Scripture. Let you be the one who says, hey, listen, I just want to tell you about Anna real quick. Y'all probably don't know about her. Let me just read to you about her real quick, because now I know about her. Let you be the one who follows her example and shares something from Scripture at your family gathering. Dear children who are here with us still, who have not often children's worship, it can be you as well, even to your siblings. Dear brothers and sisters, older siblings who are here today, you too can open up Scripture and share a verse with your siblings, because if you're in here, you can read. And so, you can go forward and obey this just like Anna does. Don't be idle while you wait on the Lord, but move forward in ministering the sort of works that God has called you to do. And it is this, obey Jesus Christ as Lord and help other people to know that they can find their hope and joy in obeying Jesus Christ as Lord. Well, Christmas isn't about waiting on the Lord. I know we just spent the whole time talking about waiting on the Lord. Christmas isn't really about waiting on the Lord, right? Christmas is about knowing that the Lord comes right on time. 
Christmas is about hope fulfilled. Perhaps the Advent season leading up to Christmas, we think and contemplate our lives of waiting on the Lord and putting our hope in Christ, which is exactly where it ought to be. But Christmas isn't about waiting on the Lord. Christmas is about the Lord's work. It's not about us and our waiting. It's about Him and what He has done. It is about Christ fulfilling all of our hopes. It's about God keeping all of His promises to us. It's about our certainty that since Christ came right on time and said He would again, that we know Christ will return right on time as He has. It is our certainty that no one who waits on the Lord will be put to shame. Let us today, each of us, rejoice, whether in the midst of great joy or in the midst of aches and pains, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of wild busyness. Let us rejoice that God keeps His promises, and the promise that He has made to us is that all those who go to Him, He will not turn away one of them. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You that You are so gracious. I thank You that You are so patient. I thank You that You are so kind. I pray that You would give us the strength by Your Spirit to hope and trust and rejoice and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.